Coming to you live from the Republic of Texas and broadcasting around the world, this is the Max McGuire Show. This is our last chance to take this country back. That's true. Listen, it doesn't matter that Joe Biden is losing his mind. He still betrayed this country. Come on, man. So get ready, because the Max McGuire Show starts right now. Happy Friday to everyone. (laughs) Friday is here. My favorite day of the week, without a doubt. Uh, Let me see if I can get... All of this up and running. Here we go. My favorite day of the week is Friday. Happy Friday, everyone. Lots to talk about today. Yesterday, DHS Secretary Mayorkas was grilled in front of Congress. And we talked a little bit about what we found out about him with the DHS, with their Ministry of Truth, with, with what was it, the, the Governance Board, Disinformation Governance Board. That's terrifying. And there's also some crazy videos going around of the woman who's been tapped to lead that board, the the disinformation czar, as it were. Um, she's insane, like actually insane. She's, I mean, well, she's a theater kid at heart. Uh, I used to do musical theater growing up, so I, I can recognize a theater kid when I see a theater kid. She is a theater kid. Um, but it's kind of weird that she's now going to be in charge of deciding what is and is not disinformation around the country. It's talked about that yesterday, but there were a lot of other bombshells that took place during this hearing in Congress with DHS Secretary Mayorkas surrounding the border. The border is worse than any of us thought. The border is absolutely worse than any of us thought. And it turns out in the middle of all of this, in the middle of all of this, the GOP is now quietly working behind the scenes to get an amnesty bill passed before Democrats lose power. There are two Republicans in charge. I'm going to just copy this link real quick, put it up on the screen. The two Republicans in charge running this are Tom Tillis and Jernan, working with Dick Durbin. They started these secret talks on Thursday. I guess they're not technically secret anymore because they're now admitting it. It's interesting what kind of ads I get. I run When I run this screen for the podcast, I always do incognito mode. So people can't really see what I'm searching for privately. Um, but they're advertising Hell's Angels posters. They have no idea who I am. <laughs> anyway, these Republicans, Tom Tillis and John Cornyn, are quietly, have been quietly working behind the scenes for over a year. They've been working behind the scenes for over a year to try and get this bill passed. An amnesty bill that would grant amnesty to every illegal alien currently in the country. You can understand why the Biden administration is going crazy trying to let as many in as possible, because if an immigration bill does pass, they are demanding that it give amnesty to everyone. Everyone. What does amnesty mean? Lots of people define it different ways. In this circumstance, amnesty is forgiveness for breaking the law and and putting them on a pathway to U.S. citizenship. Forgiveness for breaking the law and living in the country illegally giving them legal residency and putting them on a pathway to citizenship. Different proposals have different pathways, how long those pathways are. But all of them, all of them advocate giving illegal aliens eventually the right to vote in our federal and state elections. This is the Republicans. Republicans are doing that. Why are they pushing this now? Well, in a few months, there will be a midterm election, as you all know. And Democrats, based on every poll out there, based on all the public sentiment, Democrats are going to get smoked. I'm sure they're going to try and, and pull out 
some kind of questionable kind of victory, but they're going to get smoked. And Republicans, the pro-amnesty Republicans, people like Tom Tillis, people like John Cornyn, they know that their days are numbered. If they have any hope of passing this into law, they need to do so when Democrats are in the majority. That way, there's they need fewer Republicans to reach that 60-vote threshold in the United States Senate. Because remember, in the Senate, it takes 60 votes for cloture. That's the vote that has to take place to end debate. If 60 senators don't agree to end debate, then technically the debate never ends and the, and the bill can never reach a final vote. So they know that with Democrats having 50 seats, then you need 10 Republicans, right? You need 10 Republicans to join the 50 Democrats to push through an amnesty bill. If all of a sudden Republicans retake the Senate and they held a 53 vote majority, then it becomes a little bit harder because there's no guarantee that those three new Republicans would support their agenda items. So they're rushing trying this now. They're trying to get this through this uh, year before Democrats potentially lose power going into next year. I mean, this is they're stabbing you in the back. And it's going to be really interesting to watch these different clips that I've prepared for today because the clips that I prepared for today are the conservatives, the conservatives in the United States Congress doing what you expect conservatives to do, grilling the Biden administration. But meanwhile, you have these GOPers, these rhinos working behind the scenes, doing everything they can to undermine efforts to secure the border by pushing forward an amnesty bill. And you know what happens? And just to show you how long they've been working on this, this is them, Tillis, uh, get out of here, Ad. This is Tillis and Cornyn. They've been doing this, you see here at the bottom, these secret negotiations have been happening since before last July. They're seeking Democrat help. This is an old Breitbart headline. GOP Senators Tom Tellis, John Cornyn seek Democrat help to pass DACA amnesty. This stretches all the way back to J July 2021. So they've been working on this for a long time. Again, it's just the prospect of all of a sudden, whoa, Democrats might lose the House. Oh, they're probably going to lose the House. Might even lose the Senate by significant numbers. We're run they're running out of time to pass this amnesty bill through. So these are the two Republicans who are doing it, who are leading this effort. But not every Republican is doing this. Not every Republican is trying to stab you in the back. This is DHS Secretary Mayorkas. He was on the hot seat yesterday. And I apologize. <laughs> it's Friday. Old habits. I, I, I grabbed a beer, not even realizing that it's noon where I live. Because fr Friday podcast, I always used to have happy hour podcast. So I guess it's five o'clock somewhere in the Atlantic, I guess. I didn't even get myself water. I just grabbed a Dos Equis. That's not going to help. Uh, Mayorkas was on the hot, in the hot seat yesterday, and he was grilled. He was grilled for the Biden administration's policies at the border. And he should be. He absolutely should be. He swore an oath to faithfully execute the laws of the United States. So did Joe Biden. He swore an oath that he would make sure that the Constitution was followed and the laws were faithfully executed. He has not done that. No one can look at what's happening on the U.S.-Mexico border and conclude that this clown is doing his job. And I don't even think he would say he's doing his job. And we certainly know that the rank and file members of Border Patrol and Customs and Border Protection, they don't think he's doing his, his job. Here's a clip of him being asked about morale. And to his credit, Mayorkas admits that morale is very, very low. Let's go ahead and play cut one. How many people do you think, do you believe that Border Patrol is actually overwhelmed and right now and have a really low morale? 
do you what um, do you think uh congresswoman uh the morale in the in u.s customs and border protection in the border patrol is low there's no question so do you believe they're overwhelmed that and they are under strain <laughs> talk about your understatement of the century uh morale at border patrol and u.s customs and border protection is low you think you think that the morale is low i wonder why morale is low why do you think morale is low well it's because every time they encounter an illegal border crosser unless they immediately come up as a as a previously convicted criminal they're instructed to catch and then release them people are being released into the interior just to go over catch and release it's an it's an abomination it's an affront to our basic sovereignty when obama rolled this out um when he was president the way catch and release works is instead of detaining these people until their court date, they release illegal aliens into the U.S. interior and say, OK, OK, illegal alien, pink, give us a pinky promise. Give us a pinky swear that you're going to show up to your deportation hearing. And the illegal alien says, oh, I promise. Yes, see, si, senor. And they release them. No other questions asked. Usually they give them what's called a notice to appear. That's a piece of paper that has all that on written down, right? You are instructed to appear at your deportation hearing on X date in X city. The city is based on where these illegal aliens say that they're going, but they're not obligated to actually go there. I mean, this is how stupid the system is. They catch the illegal alien and say, okay, where are you going? The illegal alien says, uh, Nebraska. And they say, okay, here is your court date in Nebraska. They put them on a Greyhound bus to Nebraska, but there's no guarantee that they're going to live in Nebraska. Most of these people aren't given ankle monitors. They're free to move around the country. And that's something that the Biden administration has even admitted. They've even admitted the illegal aliens are free to move wherever they want in the United States after they have been caught and released. So lots of illegal aliens lie about where they're going. They'll go to a major city so they can get to a transportation hub to go wherever they want. But they're not actually telling the truth in many cases. So even if they even if they were going to show up to their deportation hearing, the deportation hearings in many cases aren't happening where they're going to be living. So they get this notice to appear, this piece of paper tells them you will show up to your deportation hearing at X and X date in such and such city. And then that's it. No one follows up with them. No, no, very few are given ankle monitors. Police don't show up at their door and escort them to their hearing. It's completely on the honor system that they will show up to their own deportation hearing. We know that the vast majority of illegal aliens who cross the U.S.-Mexico border are, are basically defrauding our asylum system. The asylum system, the way it's designed, it's supposed to help people who are fleeing things like political persecution, religious persecution, fleeing natural disasters. That's what the asylum system is designed to do. But what you've seen is you've seen a perversion of our asylum system where illegal aliens are showing up at the border and saying that their husband beats them, so therefore they should be allowed in the U.S. Oh, I'm afraid of gang violence in my home country, so I should be allowed into the U.S. And the Democrats, even some Republicans, have pushed to let these people in under those kinds of claims. Every city on earth has gang violence. And unfortunately, domestic violence is all too common in every country on earth. That doesn't usually mean that someone gets a free pass to enter the United States illegally. I, my heart goes out to any legitimate victims of domestic violence. But I'm sorry, if, if you live in Chile and your husband beats you in Chile, that does not give you a blank check or does not give you the ability just to enter the United States at will. And that was something that the Trump administration tried to push 
really hard, this idea of a safe third country. If someone lives in Chile and they walk from Chile all the way through South, northern South America, through Central America, through Mexico and reach the United States, the argument that they have to enter the United States to escape their domestic abuser in Chile is ridiculous because every country they walk through, they would have been safe there, right? I mean, and that's how ridiculous the asylum fraud is that's going on at our border. They're claiming that they have to enter the United States to escape problems that are hyper-local, that are hyper-hyper-local. Oh, there's a gang in, in, uh, there's a gang in, in Chile. There's a gang in Argentina, in, in Buenos Aires. This gang wants to kill me. Okay, well, why didn't you just go to Brazil? Right? Why didn't you stop in Brazil? When you got to Central America, why didn't you stop in Panama? Why didn't you stop in Honduras and El Salvador? Why do you have to come to the United States when there's a hyper-local gang targeting you in some faraway city? I mean, th those are the kinds of things that when you would go before an actual deportation hearing, if the judge actually wanted to deport them and the, and the government was actually trying to deport them, these, were the kind, these would be the kind of arguments that they would put forward. How ridiculous it is to claim asylum for a hyper-local problem that doesn't require them to enter the United States. But that's how it works. So most of these are fraudulent. There, there is no genocide taking place in South and Central America. There are natural disasters every now and then. There aren't big ones. Like, we've seen big ones throughout history. Like, the Haiti earthquake was at 2010. That was a big one. That, that re resulted in a huge influx of Haitian migrants into the United States. So you say, okay, that, that's a legitimate natural disaster. They're supposed to get temporary protected status and go home, but we don't do that. We let them stay forever. There aren't big natural disasters happening every day in all of these countries. So their asylum claims are fraudulent. And we know, we know that something like 99% of the asylum claims that are denied end up being denied in absentia, where the illegal aliens don't show up. So the, the whole catch and release scheme has always been ridiculous. It's always been ridiculous. But it's been interesting to see, and, and, and by interesting, I mean it terrifying, to see just how far the Biden administration is willing to take this. How committed are they to catching and releasing illegal aliens? Are they willing to release murderers? Are they willing to release rapists? Are they willing to release terrorists? Well, the answer to that last question is yes. The Biden administration has deliberately released people known to them to be suspected terrorists or known to them to be on the no-fly list, which if you don't know, the no-fly list isn't really a good, a, good, a good measure of how dangerous someone is. I'm not a big fan of the no-fly list. I think it is, it's really is an affront to basic liberties because it's a secret list that you don't even know you're on. And it's next to impossible to get taken off of it. Um, I write about this at length in my new book, which if you haven't already ordered it, link is in the description. The Conservatives' Guide to Winning Every Gun Control Argument because Democrats and some Republicans want to make the no-fly list a measure of whether or not you can buy a gun. Um, it really isn't a good measure when it comes to your basic rights. As far as entering the United States, though, that's a different story. People don't have the right to enter the United States. So if we want to pause, <laughs> pump the brakes to look into someone even more because they show up on the no-fly list, that should be done. But what we learned yesterday in this hearing is that there have been at least 42 people 42 people who were known to be suspected terrorists and known to be on the no-fly list that the Biden administration has deliberately re released into the United States. And even worse, Secretary Mayorkas has no idea where they are. Let's go ahead and play this clip. Cut number two. 
have any of the 42 illegal migrants on the terrorist watch list or no-fly list encountered on our southwest border been released to the United States? Uh, Ranking Member Jordan, as I mentioned before, I will provide that data to you with respect to the disposition of each one. I do not know the answer to your question. The Secretary of Homeland Security does not know the answer to the status of 42 individuals who came to our southern border illegally are on the no-fly list and the, uh, and the, no, uh, and the terrorist watch list. You do not, do not know if whether they have been released or not into the country. That's your testimony. Uh, ranking no. Member uh, Jordan, as I've said before, I will provide you the data. I yield do not back to want the general. That's amazing. Mr. I yield Secretary, back this is outrageous. It's your so uh, Jim Jordan went there. He said, you are the Secretary of Homeland Security. DHS was created after September 11th. The primary purpose of DHS is to prevent another September 11th. Obviously, Customs and Border Prote Protection got lumped in there, but that is because you want to make sure you want to stop terrorists from entering the United States, from weapons, from bombs being smuggled into the United States, which is why Customs and Border Protection is under D DHS, which is why Co the Coast Guard is technically under DHS. The Coast Guard is not under the Pentagon. It's a branch of the military, but technically it's under DHS for that reason. They're trying to catch terrorists. They're trying to catch smugglers entering the United States with contraband, with weapons, with drugs, etc. The man who swore an oath to protect the homeland does not know how many illegal aliens suspected terrorists have been released into the United States. He just doesn't know. It's one thing if he got it wrong, right? He could guess. I mean... I don't know all figures all the time. It, it, I have a pretty good idea of many of the figures that I bring up here. Lots of times I will review numbers specifically to make sure I get it right. If I don't know the exact figure, I'll guess or I'll estimate. Um, and I'll tell you it's, it's around this number. And then I'll check later and verify whether I'm right or not. But he doesn't even know enough to guess. I mean, there's 42. There's 42. The correct answer should be zero. The correct answer is should be we release zero terrorists into the united states i mean that would be i mean if he's the the secretary of homeland security you expect the secretary of homeland security to protect the homeland and not release suspected terrorists into the united states but i suspect that the answer is not zero it's a non-zero number we suspect that yes terrorists were released into the united states with notices to appear without ankle monitors and they have disappeared and he doesn't even know the answer Again, this is not him refusing to answer because it's classified. He doesn't know the answer. He can't even say most of them or almost all of them have been uh, captured or practically none of them have been released. He doesn't know the answer. And that should terrify you. That should absolutely terrify you. 42 under this president. 42 suspected terrorists apprehended at the border. He can't tell you whether they've been released or not. It gets worse. We got from Mayorkas yesterday an admission. We got from him an admission that illegal aliens being released into the United States will commit crimes and will victimize American citizens. Not a hypothetical. He confirmed that will happen. Let's watch this entire. Um, it's, a, it's a little long. It's a few minutes. But this is Matt Gates grilling him over this idea. Let's go ahead and play cut number three. 1.2 million people are undetained free roaming about the country. They've gone before a judge. A judge has issued a final order of removal. How many ICE agents do you need to deport them? 
Congressman, I think um, uh, what we need is legislation to fix the broken immigration system. Because well, let me you don't need can. legislation to overcome a final order of removal, right? Look, I get it. You want comprehensive immigration reform? Let's and a pause big it. So it's a very simple question that he just asked him. How many agents, how much money do you need? How many agents do you need? Not just the illegal aliens that were, that were caught and released this year. There are 1.2 million who this year, last year, Decades, going back decades, 1.2 million who have been ordered removed from the United States. They had their court hearing. They either showed up and lost or they didn't show up and lost. So they are ordered removed from the United States. Very simple question. How many agents do you need to remove them? And what you get from the Secretary of Homeland Security is that we need comprehensive immigration reform. Well, that's interesting. What does that mean? Are, is he taking those 1.2 million deportable illegal aliens and using them as a bargaining chip that we will not deport them unless you give us X, Y, and Z? Or is, is he talking about an even worse proposal, the idea of undoing their deportation orders and letting them stay anyway? These are people who never had any claim here, who were illegal aliens. Their asylum claims were rejected. I suspect it's the latter, though it could be the former. They could just be taking national security, taking homeland security, and, and holding it hostage in order to get what, the, what they want. Let's go ahead and keep playing this clip with Matt Gates. Amnesty thing. Very unlikely that's going to happen. So we have to operate under the laws that exist now. So under the laws that exist now, a judge has told 1.2 million people that they have no right to be here. Do you plan to remove those 1.2 million people? Um, uh, Congressman, with the resources we have, and I would appreciate the opportunity to answer your question fully, with the resources we have, we have to allocate those resources. How, how much money do you need to deport all of them? How to, much money? To, to, how many agents? To, to, to um, deport the 1.2 million who a judge has said has no right to be here. Uh, uh, Congressman, uh, the there are a number of questions that your question uh, raises with respect to whether now, it's an easy question. How much money? Because the argument from liberals and even rhino Republicans, the argument has always been that we just don't have the money. We, we have to use um, executive discretion, prosecutorial discretion, and we don't have the resources to prosecute all of them, to deport all of them, to go and apprehend all of them. So we have to pick our battles. The question he asks is a very simple one. How much does it cost? He might not know the number off the top of his head, but he does know the number. Right? He knows how much it costs to deport a single, to apprehend and deport a single illegal alien. You take that cost and you multiply it by 1.2 million, roughly. Probably more, because there's probably more illegal aliens out there that need to be deported. He won't give the answer because he wants to talk about amnesty. He wants to talk about comprehensive immigration reform. Let's keep going. Whether uh, all of those individuals actually have been given uh, due process. No, 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 no they have. They, yes, because, these are the people who've had the due process, okay? And here's the point. You have no plan to remove them. You don't know how many ICE agents it would take, and you don't know how much money it would take, because you actually don't want to remove them. Oh. That's why you issued the September 30th guidance that says, well, you know, if you haven't committed a crime and you just came to our country illegally, we're not going to remove you. Isn't that your position? Uh, no, it isn't, Congressman. Not at all. Well, then then, then you, what is your stated. plan to remove the 1.2 million? Let me, if, if I may. As a, do you have one? As, yes, yes, we do. If, if I may, sure. Congressman. As a former prosecutor, let me ask you a question. If one has a finite uh, amount of resources and one has a finite number of hours and one has a choice of removing 20 shoplifters. That's not the point. Or three um, uh, fugitive armed bank robbers. How would you spend your time? 
But that's not what he's asking. What Gates is asking is in a world where you don't have finite resources, in a world where you can hire as many agents as you need so you're not worried about the hours, how many agents would it take and how much money would that cost? And his answer is we don't have the money. Well, no, the, the question is how much money would it cost? How much money would it take? And his answer is, oh, we, just, we, we, we don't have the money. We have to pick and choose our battles. Let's keep going. Well, I know how you've spent yours. I know how you've spent yours by by decreasing by 48% the number of criminals you arrest, by deporting 63% fewer convicted criminals. You have the lowest deportation rate in the history of the department, right? Your data that you cite is misleading. No, it's your data. This is actually what your own agency is reporting. So do you think that it just might be the case that one reason that we will encounter the highest number of illegal immigrations in our nation's history this month and next month because everybody knows that even if they come here, even if they go through the removal procedures, even if a judge issues a final order, you still think there might be more due process and you have no plan to remove them. And then when I ask you what the plan is, you say, oh, well, resources, I got to make finite decisions. I go back to my first question, how many ICE agents to remove the 1.2 million? Um, Congressman, I'd be pleased to provide you with huh. the resourcing uh, data subsequent to this hearing, if I may. And I think it's I telling speak. that you. I, I think it's telling that you got plans for pronouns and you got plans for misinformation. But when it comes to the plan to remove the people that have had due process, you don't have one at all. Now, 800,000 people have encountered Amen. your CBP agents, and those folks have been released into the country. Like some of those people are going to commit crimes, aren't they? Uh, Congressman, um, may I have a moment to answer your questions? Will some uh, of the 800,000 commit crimes, yes or no? Uh, undoubtedly. Undoubtedly. And so the Americans who are the victims of the crimes for the people that you release in the country are collateral damage that you are willing to accept in order to have our border function as a turnstile. You're willing to accept that collateral damage. Congressman, I couldn't disagree with you more. Huh. Uh, let, me, let me give you, if I can, some data. Uh, that will actually well, more than the data. How about this? Well, how did it how did it feel to you when you went to the border and the border patrol agents turned their back on you? Uh, one uh, border patrol agent uh, turned his back on me, and I addressed that as uh, was only the leader, one? the leader of the Department of Homeland Security. So, if I can return to data, because I want to um, we make see sure that you have accurate. So. If he's not going to deport these people, then why does Homeland Security, why is Customs and Border Protection, why is ICE even under DHS if, if he refuses to do it? I mean, Gates just completely laid it out perfectly, which is why I wanted to play this entire entire bit. There's a little bit left, a couple more seconds. Let's play it. And then I want to actually dive into the budget request from the Biden administration because it's even worse than what they're talking about here. Let's keep playing. Information. Everyone knows that you have more people coming in than ever and you're removing fewer people than ever and it's because you have no plan and because it's on purpose. See, I don't buy the theory that you don't know how to do this. I think you're actually a highly competent dude. But the reality is you, your plan is to bring these people in and to send the message to the smugglers and the criminals that they will never have to leave. That's why your workforce turns their back on you. And you have tools that you could use to deport these people. You have facial recognition. You have flights going all over the country, dropping people off. And I think we ought to use the best tools in the country to find these folks, round them up like they were at the Capitol on January 6th, and deport every last one of them. And there you go. If I could give him a standing ovation without going out of my camera's view, I would do it right now. No, it, it's spot on. And it actually gets worse than this. It actually gets worse than this because 
when he's talking about 63% fewer deportations. Um, <laughs> it actually, it, it really does get worse than this. I'm going to play this. This is cut 10. This is talking about the, uh, the Biden administration's budget request. And the budget request that the Biden administration, what the, what the Biden administration says they need to defend the homeland would actually reduce even further the number of illegal aliens that are detained and the number of illegal aliens that end up being deported. Go ahead and jump ahead. Play this. This is cut 10. Budget request, your budget request reduces the amount of bed space you request to detain people. Isn't that right? Uh, yes, our fiscal year 2023 budget requests 25,000 detention beds. And the numbers, as um, you have readily uh, identified, the number of detention beds over the last uh, many years has not met the number of individuals who are in asylum proceedings. And, and so you're reducing the ones you're requesting. Uh, you can't make this up. When they say, oh, well, we have, we have finite resources. We only have so many resources, we can't detain everyone. We can't de deport everyone. Gates says, how many do you need to deport everyone? So not, nah, we have finite resources. And then they submit their budget requests, and it's asking for fewer resources, for less money, for less agents, for less beds. I've talked about this before on my old podcast, but I'll say it again. Detention beds, it might seem like it's something obscure, but it's important. Because the way the law is written, unless there is a serious emergency, emergency declared, which happens sometimes at the border where large numbers of people cross at one time, the number of beds that DHS can have in its, deep, its detention facilities determines how many illegal aliens can be detained. You cannot detain, typically, more illegal aliens long-term than you have beds available. So this is a tool that the left has used to deliberately limit ICE and Border Patrol's ability to detain illegal aliens long term by just saying, oh, you can only have so many beds. They're not saying you can't detain them. They're not saying you're not allowed to do your job. They're just saying, hey, we're only going to let you have so many beds. Under Trump, I think it was somewhere around in between 50 and 60,000 beds. So it still wasn't enough. Still was enough. Then it dropped to 48,000 in the 40s. Now this new budget request from Biden would only allow them to have 25,000 detention beds. That means is once 25,000 criminals are apprehended, the, the 25,001, the 25,000th and first criminal, the, the next one gets released. The one after that gets released. I mean, that's what we're talking about here. Why would anyone, anyone limit the number of beds? The answer is simple. They want these people to be released. They think it's their right to enter the United States, which is why that last question about how, have they committed crimes, undoubtedly, undoubtedly, they will commit crimes because they are not allowed to detain all of the criminals. Just take, just, just even setting aside, let's just say that every illegal alien who crosses the border, let's just say they're not technically criminals, even though they do break the law. I'm talking about criminals, people with criminal records, people with past deportations people with records in Mexico and Central America, violent records. They have a history, they have a criminal history involving rape, murder, sexual assault, abusing children. The idea that when 25,000, let's just, let's just make it very easy. If, if Border Patrol detains 25,000 murderers and locks them all up pending their deportation hearing, if they, if they encounter an additional murderer, technically, 
they'd have to let them go. I'm sure they'd try and, and find a way to not let that happen. You'd hope that Border Patrol would do that. But when they're talking about limiting the number of beds, they are literally advocating releasing criminals because we know there are more criminals than beds. There are more illegal aliens, many more illegal aliens than beds available. It's shameful. It's shameful. They say they don't have the resources. And then when they ask for more resources, they actually cut the budget. Just to show, it just shows you it's completely nonsense. This is another exchange I wanted to play. This is a Matt, a Representative Massey uh, from, I believe, Kentucky going after Mayorkas. Let's go ahead and play this. This is cut number four. Uh, Matt Gates, my colleague, asked you, will some of the 800,000 migrants that DHS has released into the United States since you've been in this position uh, commit a crime? Do you remember what your answer was? I, I believe I said to Congressman Gates that some very well might. You said undoubtedly. Yeah. Um, how many of those so, are going to commit a rape? Congressman, um, there are... Uh, how, individuals. How many uh, of those are going to commit a murder? There are, there are individuals. You are speaking of individuals who are making a claim for humanitarian relief. How many gotaways made it across the border, their, according to, from your estimates from DHS? Congressman, various people. Can I, can I answer no, your no, question? we got to. This is an important change. So you see Mayorkas, he's trying to talk about the humanitarian aspect. Oh, there are humanitarian so you can see massey massey's very smart he shifts to talking about gotaways gotaways are illegal aliens that instead of turning themselves in and going through the asylum process they deliberately ran away and kept and kept trying to escape agents and they got away these are people that border patrol saw tried to apprehend and couldn't or didn't so that question takes out the entire conversation about humanitarian aspect because gotaways, by definition, are not seeking asylum because gotaways know that they do not qualify for asylum. And the gotaways usually have the worst of the worst criminal records among all of them. Let's keep playing. How many, yeah, I asked you a question, how many of those are going to commit rape, murder, uh, armed robbery, or molest a child? How many of the 800,000 that you have released in here that you told my colleague will undoubtedly commit a crime and you've just characterized the types of crimes they're going to commit. You're, you're bragging on how many of you have arrested, but how many of you are not arrested? And by the way, I want a very specific answer to this. Were those crimes committed in, in another country or were those crimes committed in the United States? Congressman, were those um, crimes committed are, in the United are, States or another country? You are describing individuals who are seeking asylum in no, our country not all as uh, with a broad brush. Okay, of who were you describing? I, let, me, let me give you a chance. Who were you describing when you mentioned that you've arrested murderers, rapists, armed robbers, and child molesters? Were they seeking asylum? Congressman, uh, those individuals um, are arrested, detained. How did they get here? From the United How States. How did they get here? Um, Congressman, they were encountered at- Do you have operational control of the border? I've answered that question a number do of you? times. Do you? Yes, we do. No. How many people are, are coming across every day that you can't control? Uh, Congressman, I can give you that number if you'd like. Wouldn't it be better for the United States if we didn't allow these felons to come into the country? If we didn't give them a chance to commit murders, rapes, child molestation, and armed robbery? Time you of just the told us today the time of the gentleman has expired. that you arrest these very the time people of the for these crimes. Has expired. The witness may answer the so he says it's, it's it, there's no doubt 
that illegal aliens enter the United States will commit more crimes. And then when you ask how many crimes do you expect them to commit, he turns around and says, oh, well, no, they're humanitarian. And you notice that he tried to change his previous answer and say that they might commit crimes. And he had his answer read back to him. It was undoubtedly, they would undoubtedly commit crimes. They don't want to answer that. And listen, not every illegal alien coming across the border is going to murder someone, is going to commit a violent crime. Um, it is my belief that anyone who crosses the border, if they intend on living here long term, it is not possible to do so without committing more crimes. Um, and, and that's pretty obvious if you if you look at it. If you cross the border illegally and enter the United States when you work here, you are doing so without proper documentation. You are likely, in many cases, stealing someone else's identity in order to fraudulently um, obtain employment. There's lots of, of crimes that get committed. It's not possible to live in the country illegally long term without committing more and more crimes. Driving without a license, that might seem like a local issue, but we've seen time and time again how illegal aliens driving without licenses have gotten drunk and killed Americans behind the wheel. Not every illegal alien will do that. I understand that. But the number of acceptable deaths, the number of acceptable Americans who would be victimized, that should be zero. Department of Homeland Security, its job should be to secure the homeland. Its job to be, should, should be to, to shoot for zero Americans being killed, zero Americans being raped, zero Americans being victimized. And yet what you just saw from the Secretary of Homeland Security is an admission that, no, it's going to happen. And when they asked him how often is it going to happen, jumping to talking about humanitarian issues. I'm sorry. The, the purpose of Homeland Security is to secure the homeland. It is not to ensure that some fraudulent asylum claims get completely heard out. Our asylum system needs to be reformed. We need to be giving Border Patrol agents the ability to deny obviously fraudulent claims. We need to be hiring more judges so they can adjudicate these claims there on the spot and say, no, that's not real. There is no natural disaster where you're fleeing. That did not happen. You're lying. But we're not doing that. Instead, we're releasing them into the country. The Secretary of Homeland Security admitted that they're going to be committing more crimes. But we'll not talk about those crimes because he says it's a humanitarian purpose. Before we run out of time, I do want to play this cut from Chip Roy. People on Telegram were saying that Chip messaged me, that Chip Roy was amazing. He was Chip Roy, I believe, Texas congressman, um, went after Mayorkas yesterday. He did an excellent job. I want to play that clip in its entirety. Go ahead and play cut five. The only plan that you offer, the plan you just offered, is to process aliens faster and encourage more to come. We know that to be true. I know it's true. You know it's true. Cartels know it's true. And people around the world know it's true. And that's why people are coming. That is false. The secure, it's not false. Yes, it the is. The entirety of your plan says that. The Secure Fence Act of 2006 says what? That the Secretary of Homeland Security shall take all actions the Secretary determines necessary to achieve and maintain operational control over the entire international land and maritime borders. Will you testify under oath right now? Do we have operational control, yes or no? Yes, we do. And we have operational control of the borders. Yes, we do. And, Congressman, and we are working to... Listen what operational control defined. In this section, the term operational control means the prevention of all unlawful entries into the United States, including entries by terrorists, other unlawful aliens, instruments of terrorism, narcotics, and other contraband. Do you stand by in your testimony that we have operational control in light of this definition? You and Congressman, I think the um, Secretary of Homeland Security would have obviously said the same not, thing in 2020. And it, in two it's obviously not true. When the definition of operational control is stopping all terrorists, stopping all illegal entry, stopping all narcotics, it's very obvious he does not have operational control. The hubris on him, my goodness, 
to sit there after just saying, oh, there are hundred couple of 800,000 gotaways that we saw and we waved goodbye because we couldn't get them. Oh no, but we have operation control. The arrogance, the hubris is incredible. And this is why you're seeing many Republicans finally starting to talk about impeaching this man. If Republicans, which I say if, because I, nothing's in stone yet, I guess I say when Republicans take control of the House of Representatives, this will probably be the first impeachment that gets filed before Biden. I'm sure people will file for Biden, but this will probably be the first that goes through because Alejandro Mayorkas has violated his oath of office. He has violated the law that just got read to him from the Secure Fence Act of 2006, which as watered down as it was, it did require that he, to the best of his ability, maintain and establish operational control of the border. He does not have operational control of the border. By that definition, he does not. He claims he does. That's lying under oath. Beyond just violating that statute, that statement right there is impeachable. That is perjurious. Let's keep playing. 2019. No, the the, the, well, the secretary would have at least had a basis for saying that we have some sort of control of the border. But the fact is, we currently have people flowing across the border, including dangerous narcotics and dangerous members of terrorists, which your own agency sent a letter to my office after eight months. We sent a letter saying there are 42 people on the terrorist watch list that are in the United States. You just said to Mr. Jordan, you don't even know where the hell they are. That, that's what you're saying is operational control, including entries by terrorists and unlawful aliens. It's not. It's not operational control. It's not. And God bless Chip Roy for actually taking it to him. I mean, this is the difference. This is the difference. When you look at these guys. Tom Tillis and John Cornyn, who I started the show by saying they are quietly working with Democrats behind the scenes to pass an amnesty bill that, according to Democrats, would give amnesty, legal residency, and a pathway to citizenship to almost every single illegal alien living in the United States, even those who already have legal deportation orders from judges. They had their due process and they lost. The difference between these two rhinos, these two rhinos and Chip Roy, it's night and day. It's absolutely night and day. They're, they don't even look like they're in the same party, which, frankly, they probably shouldn't be. It was a, a tweet from Elon Musk. I'm going to see if I can pull it up. Um, the, it, Elon Musk is making the left go absolutely bonkers. He's making them go crazy. Let's see if I can put this up on the screen. Tweet from Elon Musk. Elon Musk just without any commentary just posted this and it shows that him in 2008, he was left of center. But then the, De the liberals ran further to the left and he got a little bit close to the center. And now the woke progressives have gone as far as they could to the left and now he finds himself right of center. And he hasn't moved. He hasn't changed his spot. He hasn't changed anything. What we need is we need... <laughs> The other side of this, right? So Elon Musk, he isn't really, he doesn't, I mean, he has many conservative beliefs, but he identifies as a liberal. He voted for Barack Obama. He says in his own words that he enthusiastically supported Barack Obama and he finds himself right of center because he no longer can identify with the crazy woke progressives over here. But the same is also true because when you have Republicans who in 2008 identified themselves as centrists, well, they haven't stayed still. The centrists, like Tom Tillis, they stay near this line. So they are moving left. They are further left than the, the center was in 2008. 
which is why today you can have a moderate Republican advocating and secretly work behind the scenes to give amnesty to illegal aliens, millions of illegal aliens, whereas in 2008, it was a, a very select few that wanted to do so. Lindsey Graham was, was the main one. Lindsey Gramnesty. You'll see here from the Daily Mail that the GOP is now talking about impeaching him if he does not resign, which should absolutely happen. Should absolutely happen. There's a couple other clips. I guess I can play them. Um, this one asking a very simple question. Does illegal immigration benefit the United States? Watch how Mayorkas struggles to even answer that question. Let's make cut six. Well, the border patrol has been overwhelmed by this influx. You've allowed about 600,000 gotaways to escape into the interior. This is more than the entire population of the state of Wyoming. And that's with Title 42 in place. When you remove that, it's estimated that we're going to see as many as 18,000 illegal immigrants released into the interior every day. That's the same as admitting a new state of Alaska every 40 days. These numbers are simply staggering. And, and I'd like to know why you think this benefits Americans. Uh, packing classrooms with non-English speaking students, I mean, demanding it, care, making it harder question. to report criminal illegal aliens, flooding the labor market with cheap foreign labor. How does this benefit Americans? Congressman, if I can explain how the legal um, system works uh, when no, encountering that's not what he asked you. Um, individuals okay. at our southern border. I, I, no, uh, no, it doesn't even answer the question. How does illegal immigration benefit the United States? And he went through all of the parts that don't benefit us. When you, when God forbid you need to go to the hospital and you're in a waiting room longer than you should be because there are illegal aliens taking up hospital beds in the emergency room or in the hospital, how does that benefit you? When your child is in school and, and, and is essentially in an English as a second language class because the majority of their classmates speak a different language. And I'm not even talking about Spanish. Right. There are school districts around this country, mainly in California, where you walk into a classroom and there are so many illegal aliens all speaking different language. There is not even a common tongue. There might be a few English speakers, but you have you're giving you're giving teachers students who don't speak English. And, and again, it's not just Spanish speakers. People from all over the world are illegally crossing our border, speaking any number of languages. I mean, when you look at the Flores decision back in what, the 80s, that was a court decision that determined that it did not hurt schools to admit illegal aliens. You have to do it. I mean, that was part of the decision. And then, and then the other part of it was obviously that you need to release children from detention. You can't keep them longer than was it, a certain number of days. It very obviously, very clearly hurts school districts having an influx of all foreign language speakers. Flooding the labor market with cheap or unskilled or less skilled labor. Who does that hurt? That hurts African-Americans the most. It hurts the minority community, community the most. It hurts inner cities the most. If you are trying to get a job and you are competing against an illegal alien who will work the job for less and take it under the table, you're not going to get that job. I mean, this is one of the reasons you've seen African-American support for Biden completely evaporate. It, it's plummeted 20 points in the polls. That's significant. The polls are just polls. Fine. But when the polls are showing 20% fewer African-Americans support Joe Biden, that's significant. You have, to, uh, you have to start asking yourself why. But Donald Trump, Donald Trump signed laws, uh, signed bills into law that would help people leaving prison get a job, get back on their feet.
those same people leaving prison now have to compete against lower wages paid under the table to illegal aliens. It's harder for them to get a job, harder, harder for them to provide for their family. Illegal immigration does not help the United States. Any benefit that you get from the, the melting pot, cultural diversity, any potential benefit which is minimal is easily, easily overpowered by the fact that this is a net negative. Illegal immigration hurts the United States far more, far more than it helps. And I don't want to hear, oh, well, who's going to pick the strawberries? I mean, I mean, I mean, tell that to the families of Americans who have been killed by illegal alien drunk drivers, just them alone. I mean, you could, you could fill, you could fill an auditorium with people who have been killed or victimized by illegal aliens just on the roads. Shameful really is. Before we go, I want to play this clip from Representative Biggs. Biggs got him to admit that he wants amnesty. Let's go ahead and play the second half of this, cut nine. So the answer is you would support amnesty of some kind. So you said that you would, that the border's closed and secure. You've, you've said today you're following every law. You, you understand, don't you, that the law, Secure Fence Act of 2006, you're in total violation of that. Operational control. You don't have the border under operational control, do you? Section 2. What does it say? It says, in this section, operational control means the prevention of all unlawful entries into the U.S., including entries it's by what terrorists. What we just talked about. You're not preventing entries. You're fomenting interesting entries. You're encouraging it. You're either accepting the Biden administration, and if that's the case, then you should be impeached. If you disagree with the Biden administration's program, you should re resign. That's where we are. Spot on. Spot on. The problem is it's not a Biden policy. Biden doesn't know what's going on. These are not policies written by Biden. These are policies written by Biden's handlers, by Biden's advisors, who are actually the ones pulling the strings, and by his cabinet secretaries, who include Mayorkas here. I understand the whole either or. It has to be one or the other. But just so we're clear, Joe Biden is not calling the shots here. Joe Biden might like fundamentally agree with illegal immigration, but he cannot wrap his head around these concepts. They asked him the other day, um, what they, they asked him the other day about, um, about Ukraine, about Ukraine uh, sanctions, Ukraine aid. And he started talking about Title 42, which is, was a completely different topic. Just so we're clear, this is Joe Biden yesterday, the day before. This is the man who is supposedly creating these policies. I put this on my telegram yesterday. Let's play this again. Cut zero. Their hard work has played a critical role in assuring Putin's strategic failure in Ukraine, and they should know that we know it. In addition to this supplemental funding, I'm also sending to Congress a comprehensive package of, uh, that come. will enhance our underlying effort to accommodate the Russian oligarchs uh, and make sure we take their take their, their ill-begotten gains. <laughs> We're going to accommodate them. We're going to seize their yachts, their luxury homes, and other ill-begotten gains of Putin's kleptocracy. Uh, yeah. Kleptocracy. And klep the guys who are the kleptocracies. <laughs> but these are bad guys. This legislative package strengthens our law enforcement capabilities to seize property linked to Russia's kleptocracy. 
Oh, okay. Um, so we're going to come at this from the basic position that he does have a stutter. So it's entirely possible that he saw a kleptocracy. And it's not exactly a normal word. You don't hear that. Kleptocracy is a system of government based on theft. Kleptomaniac, someone who is addicted to stealing. Uh, a kleptocracy, like a, a theocracy would be a government based on theological beliefs. A kleptocracy is one that's based on stealing stuff from people. Um, it's not exactly a word that you say often. It's not a word you see often. Um, so I could understand how he could get caught up with that. The other part, though, where he's reading the teleprompter and all of a sudden starts talking about what he just said in the third person. That, to me, is more troubling than him tripping over the word kleptocracy, which, again, it's not a normal word. He's reading it, and then he pauses and he says, huh, yeah, and we're going to accommodate them. We're going to take their ill-begotten gains. Almost like someone else had just said it. So, <laughs> this man is not calling the shots. I mean, the fact that he just got caught off guard by the word kleptocracy shows you he did not write that speech. He was not involved in that speech. He did not tell them what he wanted that speech to be about. Someone else wrote it for him. And listen, presidents have speech writers. That makes a ton of sense, right? Diff uh, different presidents are involved at different levels with their speech writing. It's very clear that that was the first time Joe Biden read that speech. That was the first time he saw it. Most, m More often than not, presidents will at least get a speech and read through it and highlight words that might be trouble. That was very clearly the first time he ever saw that speech. So no, Mayorkas is not just following Biden policy. Biden does not have the ability to set this policy. He's doing it himself. So for that reason, he must be impeached. Absolutely. The problem is the GOP isn't interested in that. The GOP is interested in giving amnesty to all the illegals that he's letting out and releasing into the interior. So I strongly encourage you to fight against this you're gonna to have to fight against these rhinos they're gonna keep doing this and unless you reach out to them unless you put pressure on these rhinos they're going to get away with it they're at least they're gonna think they're gonna get away with it and it's not good enough to say that we'll remove you from office in a few years i mean tom tillis just got just got elected in what 2020 so his term ends in 2026 2027 so he's not at risk of being removed from office it takes a lot of pressure to stop this stuff so i recommend that you that you take action. I, I don't know if Conservative Daily is doing these kinds of stories anymore. Every time I turn on Conservative Daily, I am shocked at what they're covering. They just had a guy on the other day who claims to be a time traveler and that he himself is Q from QAnon and he came from the future to warn everyone about the Q stuff. They just had him on. So I, I don't know if Conservative Daily is covering this anymore. I, I doubt that they are. They seem all only be interested in conspiracy theories. Joe's not barely ever there. He's off traveling. Um, so I don't know if, if I don't, I doubt they're going to cover this kind of stuff. So you're going to have to go outside, go into other organizations. Um, I'm trying, I'm going to be setting up my own petition system here. I can't do fax blasts. That's one of the things I can't do since leaving conservative daily, but I am going to be setting up a petition system to, to have these kinds of issues dealt with. So stay tuned for that and definitely reach out to other organizations. The Center for Immigration Studies, CIS, is a great organization that you can, you can work with, you can donate to, you can get on their listserv, and you can uh, fight against things like this. So uh, yeah, I highly encourage that you do that. Now, before we go, I'm going to remind everyone again, my new book is out, The Conservative's Guide to Winning Every Gun Control Argument. This is a big book. This is not a little book. It's 446 pages. Um, it's my attempt to quite literally go through every single gun control argument, every major gun control law of the 1900s and early two and 2000s. 
um, every gun control regulation, court cases, it goes through everything. So if you want to support me, want to support the show, you can pick that up at Amazon right now. It's available in paperback as well as Kindle versions on Amazon. That link is in the description and there will be more coming. I am in the process of finalizing. Uh, I have to go through a different distributor because if I use Amazon to go into Barnes and Noble, I, I make like 50 cents every time someone buys books. It's not even worth it. So I have to set that up today. Almost finished with that. Soon you'll be able to buy this in Barnes & Noble as well. Um, yeah, Bad Mama just said in the comment section that Joe is out on vacation. Yeah, I saw he's in Alaska, which is strange to be asking for donations and then be off in Alaska. I'm not exactly sure what that's all about. Um, I, I hope he wasn't using donations to go to Alaska. But I guess that's going to be something that other people have to investigate. But all that aside, if you, again, if you want to pick up my book and support the show, support me, please do so. We were just yesterday we reached 43rd for political freedom on their bestseller list. So I uh, really do appreciate all the support. And it's a good read. If you have grandchildren, if you have children who are interested in politics and they are argumentative at heart and they're smart, this is a great book to purchase for them. And I am going to be coming out with more. Conservative's Guide to Winning Every Abortion Argument will be next. That's going to be it for this edition of the Conservative Daily, uh, sorry, Max McGuire Show. Again, just talking about it, it almost came out again. That's going to be it for this edition of the Max McGuire Show. If you like it, please do subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Pandora, iHeartRadio, TuneIn, Podbean, or Audible. All those links are in the description. If you can, if you have an iPhone, an iPad, or a MacBook, please do leave me a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. It's very important. Um, please do so if you haven't already. Uh, I kind of went off the air for a week and a half as I was traveling on vacation. Um, so I need your help to get back up into those rankings. And the easiest way to do that is by leaving a five-star review. Also, if you haven't already, please do subscribe on Rumble. This podcast will, goes live 1 p.m. Eastern, Monday through Friday. So tune in for that. I promise I will always try to be on time. I promise I will not keep you any longer than necessary to deal with the, the topics. So that's it for this edition of the Max McGuire Show. My name is Max McGuire. Remember, everyone... The fight to take back our country is not over yet, but the only way we win is if we all stand up and fight together. See you Monday.